Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, talking to Krishna, and this is part three. We're going through my top 75 mid-season player rankings. If you want this in article form, you can go on the website. The link will be in the description. There's 75 players, 75 blurbs, a stat for every player. A lot of research went into this. I'm very proud of it. And we are making our way down the list. We made it through the top 25. We're going to pick it up from there. Krishna, how you feeling? You ready to uh, to analyze slash uh, complain about my list? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um yeah, let's uh, let's get into this. Okay, so we've pretty much talked about all like the elite players, all the guys that be like your number one option on a team. So now we're in like, I mean, if you haven't read the article, it doesn't mean anything to you, but we're in tier four. And we talked about Bam a little bit last episode, so we won't talk about him. And then after that, Chris Middleton, we touched on him. There's Kyrie Irving, uh, Siakam, Halliburton, Fox, and LaMelo. Krishna, who do you want to start with first? Um, yeah, so I think... Last time we left off, I think what I had said is that I would have had uh, Jalen, Bam, Middleton, uh, Siakam in like the same tier, right? So I, and I mentioned that, so I I don't think we have to talk about any of them um, because I think, uh, so that would kind of be my tier five, right? And then I might have um, Kyrie, Halliburton, Fox, and LaMelo in the following tier. Um, but above tier six. So I guess I'm creating an extra tier for you here. So let's, let's talk about some of these guys. So some of those guys. Um, so, I mean, the Kyrie thing is, let's, if we're being honest, uh, he would be higher if you, if he played more games. Uh, we won't talk about why he doesn't play more games, but that's just a fact, right? Like he, we were talking earlier about, um, guys who get injured a lot and don't uh, play as many games. For Kyrie, obviously, there's different reasons as well. But, but I mean, his durability has been an yeah, issue. Durability has been an career. issue, even without like ignoring the the random two week vacation he might take. So like he, so he as like somebody on the court is probably more talented than a lot of these other players. Um, I think the thing that's kind of weird is like for most, I honestly don't feel comfortable like taking into account off court stuff with like, uh, like you were telling me earlier in like pod one that Embiid doesn't have it. And I still have no idea what that means, but it's the playmate. Uh, but like, so that type of stuff, I just don't want to and or I guess it was body language or something. Right. But I, that type of stuff, I, I try not to take into account but i think with Kyrie, it just it has to factor in in terms of like uh at, at the very least in terms of affecting how many games he plays like we do know playing uh playing more availability is important right so um so for like i i think where you have Kyrie is fine um i think you could argue he's very hard to rank for the reason that we've kind of outlined where you don't know how much uh how many games you're going to get of Kyrie. Um, and, and also I think he's one of the more inconsistent players as well. Uh, that kind of goes a little under the radar, but like if you look at some of his playoff series in the past, uh, you will have, you get a lot of great games and a lot of like kind of not great games that 
I think a lot of people might miss, <laughs> you know, but um, it's, it's a little like his playoff history is like, he's pretty good in the past, but I think, um, I think he might be a little overrated, honestly, in the playoffs. Uh, if, if you just look at like his overall playoff performance over his career, like we, people remember the like last three games of 2016, for example, but then they don't remember like the first like four games or whatever. Um, so, you know, he's, I, I think his playoffs performance is a little up and down and, um, actually I'm, I'm going to bring up, uh, his playoff LeBron numbers here just to kind of ballpark, uh, where exactly he is in playoff LeBron. Um, so in 2009, uh, 20 to 22, He's at a plus 1.87 uh, for Playoff LeBron, which um, is pretty good. It's like, um, but it's not, um, it's probably about where, you know, you would have him in terms of like your ranking, right? Like it's in the, somewhere in the 20s or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, I kind of agree with the Kyrie ranking here, I guess. Uh, moving on to Halliburton. The thing with Hal... Hold on, hold on. Let me just touch on Kyrie for a second. Okay. Um, he's one of those players where the off-season stuff or the off-court stuff just does have to factor in. So basically, like as a player, he's a really good scorer. I think the playmaking leaves a little bit to be desired from a volume standpoint. We're like... The, the quality of playmaking is pretty good that he provides. It's just never been on the volume that you would expect. I think part of that is that he plays point guard. So there's like a natural assumption it's going to be a little bit higher. and It's just not. So like the isolation individual scoring is fantastic. But you couple that with not a lot of playmaking and being a weak defender. And that does hurt the overall value. And then Kyrie, again, you know, we don't talk really about off the court stuff on this podcast because I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I know you don't really either, but like it, it, it is difficult. Like he does cause enough. Like I, I called him a migraine, not a headache. Like that really sums it up. And that does deflate your value. Cause like it, you're dangerous to have on the team. Like, that, that that is just going to hurt your overall value. Also, I think I figured out what I mean by back to the Embiid thing, the it factor. I think what I mean by that is, and this is one of those things, I guess you could say it's unfair because you can't see it until it happens. Um, but what it is, is I want to know when you're two very good teams locked in a game that you know everyone's giving a hundred percent everyone is maxing out their talent both teams are playing at a very high level they're like something occurs that is beyond basketball that we've only seen with like the very best players that have ever played the game where you know they, they've talked about it before you you can control a game when you get good enough when you're lebron or michael jordan or kobe or whatever it is all the top 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 guys can control the flow of the game to an extent so i think that it factor is when you've maxed out everything you have as a basketball player from a uh, schematic standpoint as a team from your own personal talent there's just like an attrition a battle of just pure willpower and it just comes down to like i don't even know it's it, it's a it's a contest contest that's happening on like another plane of existence and i don't really know if you can ever say a player has that until you've seen them do something amazing in the playoffs 
And that's the Embiid it factor I would like. Here's the thing. I'm not even like I don't want Embiid to have the it factor. I'm just like I'm just interested in seeing it. Yeah, I guess the thing – okay, we're going uh, – well, I just want to quickly bring this up and then we'll kind of get back to where we are. And, and so, and unfortunately, we don't have a stat yet to quantify battles of willpower on other planes of existence here at Basketball Index. Maybe in a couple of years, but right now we don't. So uh, I guess listening to what you were saying there, to me, I kind of took like the controlling the game to mean kind of playmaking on offense and stuff like that. And I agree. And that's part of it. And, yeah. And I, I mean, look, I don't think Embiid's at the level of a playmaker that um, Jokic, uh, Steph, Giannis or uh, Luca are. However, I do want to say uh, I, I want to bring up a few points regarding uh, Embiid's overall, like asserting his will or something. You, I mean, you can also control a game on defense, and as a as a, a dominant think, center, he could. I do could. think Embiid can control a game on defense, and it, it just go back and watch some of the games he's had in the playoffs. Uh, some of the first round games the Raptors had against them. Uh, some of the games against the the Raptors, and I know I'm going back to 2019, but that Raptors team would, I mean, they mentioned a ton of times how that was their most difficult series. He controlled the game on defense a lot in in both Raptors series, and I think even in Miami, like you can see his impact on defense. And honestly, pick part of it is in the regular season he plays a bit of like possum, like he. Because he expends so much energy on offense, um, and he's and I, we could have a conversation if he's if she if he should be taking more of a backseat on offense and and letting Harden and Maxi do a little more offensively and focus more on defense. Uh, although, given the Sixers' record, I think they probably have a decent balance. Uh, I but you can see it in the regular season. Like there was a game earlier this year against the Jazz uh, in the fourth quarter. Go watch that game. Fourth quarter, he had five blocks in the fourth quarter. And the Jazz, he just, you could see him impose his will on defense in that quarter. Uh, and it, it throughout even the whole game. So I will say that. The final thing I'm just going to quickly go back to is you're saying, what do we, where's the evidence that we have that Jokic has that in the playoffs? Like, have we seen... Oh, no, that has not happened in the playoffs yet. I would say okay. Jokic's case is different because of the tremendous heavy lifting he's done for two plus seasons now in the regular season so he has not done it yet in the playoffs i think he can he hasn't done it yet so you can't give him credit for it but he has elevated his game in the regular season for a very long period of time now where i so <laughs> you have to credit yeah that. uh so i mean we i look our lebron metric has had Jokic higher and part of it is uh, that type of being an offensive engine is going to lead itself to a higher offensive, like a higher impact level, right? But what mm -hmm. I will say yeah. is that I think you can argue that it's possible Embiid will have a higher impact in the playoffs because of the defense. Uh, and we have seen that. We have seen he is number one from 2019 to 21 in playoff LeBron. So we have seen that impact translate more in the playoffs, honestly, possibly than Jokic has, right? So, so it can happen, right? It can happen again. I'm not saying it can't. But also one thing I feel like I'm a little hung up with when you reference 2019. So 2019 and 2020, earlier really in general in Embiid's career, his 
his D-LeBron was just higher. Like it was at pretty elite levels. The last few years, it's still very good, but it's not at elite levels. It's it's just a very good defensive center. And there is something to be said of you trade out some of your defense for offense as you become a better player. And there's, you know, you only have so much energy bar to use. And if you're using more of it on offense, because he has a tremendous load on offense, he scores a lot of points, has the ball a lot. Like he's doing, he's doing a lot on offense. And we've seen his D LeBron come down as that has risen. So again, not saying he can't, but I feel like sometimes we're in this argument giving Embiid the credit for his 2022, 23 offense and his 2019, 20 defense. And it's like, well, I'm not sure if that's exactly fair. Uh, I guess the, so when I was talking about his D defensive impact, I was kind of looking at the playoff impact from 2019. So that 18, 19 season to 2021. Now I know our most recent three year playoff LeBron would include last playoffs. And um, I think, uh, I'll have to pull that up. He is maybe not as high in. Uh, uh, no, his D LeBron still pretty good in that three year playoff. Uh, but it's lower than it was. Um, yeah, I mean, again, part of that I feel like is, yeah, it's lower than the 2019 to 21 version. And, it, and then last year makes it tough because he was hurt. Exactly. That's why I was referencing the three year LeBron from 2019 to 21 because he was hurt last year. Um, and I honestly think you could see it affect him. Um, and so three-year oh, playoff LeBron includes the 2021 playoffs and the 1920 playoffs. So I know it includes 18-19, unfortunately, and that's like past what we're talking about. But it does include the two other playoffs around. That's why I was referencing that. And I didn't want to knock like him for the injuries last year in the playoffs. So um that's why, like, I, I think he has shown, like, and again, like, look, ideally we could just look at, like, the 2021 playoffs or the 2020 playoffs for our, our for what we're talking about here. Like, we could look at each individual playoff run, but it's kind of hard to, as we discussed earlier, we, we can't really do that with uh, with playoff level impact, right? But um, anyway, let's, let's go back to our small. list here because yeah, we got yeah, yeah. totally off topic. So we've moved we've moved past Kyrie, and you were saying that you would have him down here with Halliburton, Fox, and Lamelo. I feel like I want to talk about Lamelo for a second. I know he's hurt; he's out for the rest of the year with an ankle injury. But you know, interestingly enough, I feel like I learned something about him this year, and that is not all. Like this happens all the time, where there'll be a, a really good player. You know, they go really high in the draft, and then you know, year three or year four. They're they're obviously a very good player, like you know, all star level player, or you know, potentially who knows, all NBA, unclear right now. But they're on a terrible team, so it's it's hard to figure things out. So I think that hurts his defensive impact because he's on, he just hasn't really had a lot of defensive talent around him. But this year we saw another really strong three point shooting season, and I think that makes him. In my eyes, like we have enough data now, because the thing is, like, if you have one good three point shooting season, it's like, well, that's great. But is this going to stick? You know, yada, yada, yada. So now we're at year three. and It's been it's been really strong throughout his career. And now I'm like, oh, this is this is really interesting because obviously he's going to have the ball a lot as a scorer. But it looks like his ability to provide off ball value with a three point shot is legit. He takes really deep threes, too, which can help with spacing, like if really deep threes. And I think he was pretty high in our uh, 
what is that one called? It's the deep three-point shooting talent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really good last year. So I'm really excited for him to be paired with a, you know, big time player in the next few years. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't have much to add on Lamar. I find it difficult to evaluate him just because of like the context he's in right now. Um, so, and I think he's missed a lot of games. I, I guess like I, I kind of, yeah, the ranking like kind of seems okay to me. I, I guess it's, he seems like one of those players like Trey that could possibly be really hard to evaluate because like we haven't seen like he's on a really bad team this year, but we, we did see the impact last year. So I don't really, cause they were decent last year. They made the plan. They did. They were like, they were really good. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I guess I don't really have much of an issue, uh, with his placement here. Um, um it's just kind of tricky for me because um, I feel like how, how many minutes has he played this year? Like, I don't know. I'd imagine it's not that many. Maybe like not 800, I would guess. Um, let's see. Let's. But his his passing vision, I don't know if you ever played the uh, the Maddens with the, the QB vision that had the cone of the field. Oh. Did you ever play that? But the best players in that game, like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, their cone would be like, it was ridiculous. Like yeah. other people would have this tiny cone and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning would have a cone that was like the size of the entire field. And I feel like Lamelo's passing vision, it feels like he can see basically the whole half court at all times, which is super valuable. I think that's going to scale really well. So Lamelo's passing, I think is, I mean, we all know it's great, but I just think it's, it's, top of the line as good as you can get and then as obviously he's not that old yet as he gets older it's it's just going to get better so the three-point shooting in the passing i know he's a little limited as a finisher and i don't know how that gets better but pairing him with a, a good pick and roll partner the three-point shooting in the passing i i mean it's i don't think you're gonna have a lot of people arguing yeah um yeah um uh let's uh i i did want to talk about Halliburton. so to me Halliburton and lamella are kind of interesting because Halliburton's breaking out this year and we saw LaMelo break out last year. And um, so they both kind of had like one all-star level season, right? Um, with Halliburton, so he was, he's top 10, I believe, in our three-point shot making metric this year, um, which uh, is, he's, that's surprising if you watch him shoot, let's just say. Like, he does have a strange shot. It's a very strange shot. I, I think... Like if you if you watch him shoot threes, you're just like, how does this go in? And yet he's very good at, at shooting threes. So um, he's and so the, between the three point shot making and the playmaking talent, um, there's a lot to really like there. And um, I think it it like I so I like the placement here basically. Like I think uh, you you could really see him being a uh, offensive engine in the future. Let's just say, I, I don't think he's quite become an offensive engine at the moment. Would you, would you agree? He's not there yet or like, Oh no, I would say he is. I would say he's, I don't know what caliber of engine. I'm not a car guy. Okay, so, so I don't know if he's a Honda. I don't know if he's a Toyota. I don't know if he's a Maserati, but he's definitely an engine. So he, okay. That's the wrong way to put it. So when I said offensive, so he plays like an offensive engine. 
I was just saying in terms of like an offensive engine being, uh, I can throw a bunch of random guys around this guy and I'm going to have like a top 10 level offense. Like, you know. Oh, I mean, I don't know about that, but I mean, how many guys, how many guys can, <laughs> how many yeah, guys there's, can, there's can blind many, pick like a team? Right? Like, yeah, I mean, he's not there yet, but I mean, you, you give him Miles Turner, you give him Buddy Heald, who are, are solid players. And he's making things happen where that Pacers team is young. They got some guys, but obviously they're not a, a super talented team yet. But Halliburton is is really exciting. One of the things that was a concern for me was his inability to get to the rim. And then he had one of the biggest jumps and unassisted field goal attempts at the rim this year. And in the article, I talk about how that kind of took his playmaking from really good to like now it's in the elite categories. So um, I don't think he's good enough to like just play with a bunch of random dudes. But if you give him some like quality NBA players, I think you're going to need some pretty good offense. And, you know, he he continues to play well. Like just the other night, he had a fantastic game all over social media. So I think if you're the Pacers, you're like, this is absolutely like for me, the way I look at it is like, is this player a building block? And I would define a building block as a top three guy on a good team. So there's building blocks and then there's like whatever high starters slash like good role players. I don't know. Um, he's very, very clearly a building block and a good one. So, you know, whether he ends up being, you know, the, the 30th best player in the league, the 17th, the the ninth, whatever it is, I don't know, but he's up in that area already where I'm not really concerned about him falling back out of it. Yeah, so I guess all I was pointing out is I think he can get to that like top five, six level, six, like five, six level player that's like an offensive end. So I, I think he can get there. That's all I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think him and LaMelo are going to be really fun to compare for a long time because they're just really good young playmakers. De'Aaron Fox was a guy that. I was I really struggled to play. So I had like a list of last offseason, like top 100 players. I was just doing it for the first time, trying to figure out where to put him. And I know he had a disappointing year last year. It was really hard. This year he's playing. Ex- I couldn't even cope with the word there. I couldn't pick between like five of them very, very well. He has improved in the mid-range every year of his career. Obviously, one of the best finishing guards in the league. So hard to stay in front of. And he's paired with Halliburton and other offensive players. The Kings are obviously having a great season. And I feel like Fox is, if I saw this list a year or two ago, I'd be like, wow, Darren Fox is going to be this high. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible where Fox is after last season. Um, I think, I think routinely last year, I was like, I'm taking Tyrese Maxey over Darren Fox <laughs> at the Wow. That was, hold on. That was last year. So, um, and I, I was just like, oh, I love Maxie's ability to shoot. And I just, I'm just thinking back on that about how stupid that looks right now. Like this is <laughs> comparable now, like where, you know, like Fox is just way better. Um, but I think like last year, nobody had Fox in their, you know, n- nobody had Fox in their top 50. Nobody. Right. And I think like, um, honestly, given how long he's kind of already been in the league and, um, like how many, you know, where his kind of career trajectory was going. Um, it is a bit of a surprising kind of jump up, right? But it kind of goes to show you how much like the right players around you, the right coaches, um, the right like kind of offensive ecosystem, like everything about that can help you like kind of reach your maximum potential, right? Like, Obviously, last year, like from what we've seen of Fox this year, 
he was not being maximized to like his fullest potential, right? So um, it's it's like kind of interesting to keep like think about that, and then kind of you have to keep that in mind with like a lot of different players in the league now, where it's like, are they in a in a bad situation where you know, like if you put them next to like you put them next to Sabonis, you put them in uh, uh, Mike Brown's offense, right? Like you put them in these in that kind of offense. You add a movement shooter like uh, Kevin Herter, right? You add uh, so you kind of form a team. You add Malik Monk, right? Like you form a team around him, and you can you know, like he really has just taken a massive jump, right? So like. It makes you just wonder how many other players are there where if you like did a better job of placing them on a better team, they just look much better. Like LaMelo to me is like the best example of that probably. Like if we swap LaMelo and Fox, um, how would you feel? Like do you think that's, – that's a good question. So if you put LaMelo on the horn on the Kings instead of Fox, uh, how would you feel about like – like, would the Kings still have the number one offense? Would they be this good? I, I guess, like, ha- I guess since you had them in the same tier, you think they would be, there would be no difference? Yeah, it would. I, I, so I think the, the Kings roster is constructed in a way where it is built around Fox's driving ability, maybe a little bit more, because Lamelo isn't the same driver. He's a better passer, right? And better three point shooter. But like they have a lot, you know, they have a, like a, a spacing four. They don't really have like a rim gravity big that I think Lamelo would really like to be paired with. But I think if you put Lamelo on the Kings this year, you'd still have a pretty darn good team. I don't, you like the results wouldn't be exactly the same, but they still would be a, a very good offense, I think because it's just it's a pretty strong infrastructure like you said good coaching and, and there's just a lot of talent on the team but i think the point stands you talked about fox early in his career just not being surrounded by a lot of nba talent and you know big offseason for the kings and they've, they've been fantastic this year so i think the idea is there like on a on a lesser degree i'm thinking someone like uh terry rozier if he was on a better team and he was in a like a six-man role, I think we would all think he's better because I think he's a pretty talented guy, like a Norman Powell-type role. And I I think there are a lot of situations around the league where these players could be playing better. They're just not really in the right fit, and they're not surrounded by the right talent. I think you're totally right about that. Uh, Anything else before we uh, move out of this tier? Okay, yeah. So I don't have anything else to add. Uh, I think we kind of covered Fox and Halliburton and LaMelo here. uh, I'm just going to kind of scroll. Okay, actually, I do have a question for you. So we have, um, like I, I told you, I might have had a little separation within your tier, uh, uh, what was that, five. I would have had that into two different tiers, and I would have split it with, like, Bam Middleton and um, who was the other guy? And, oh, I would have had Jalen from the other one. And then next I would have had Hal Burton Fox, uh, LaMelo, and Kyrie, the one question I do have now is now looking over to your tier six, I see Sabonis in there. And I'm kind of wondering how come you have him in this tier instead of in the same tier as like LaMelo, Fox, um, and who was the other guy? Uh, Halliburton. Like, so I think the real question is who is more valuable, Sabonis or Fox? And I actually originally had it switched. I had Sabonis above Fox 
because the idea was Sabonis was a big who could pass, could rebound, could score. On defense, he's not he's not good at defense, but like he's not he's not a terrible defender. He's he's like fine as a defensive center. He, I mean, you probably want his backup to be a, a defensive oriented guy, someone like a JaVel McGee, something like that. But his defense, like it's not, it's not a disaster by any means. So it was interesting because I think on paper, you're like, okay, we have a solid all around big man that can kind of do a little bit of everything. And he's a pretty good passer. And then you have a point guard who is a driver, who has a developing mid-range game, who is uh, like, a, like a pretty good playmaker. And I think on paper, I a lot of the times would pick the, the big man that could pass. But I just feel like Fox is just playing at such a high level this year, where who knows, that might switch in the future. But I think most people want Fox to win the, the Clutch Award or whatever. it's I don't know what it's called this year. But that new award they made of who's scoring like the most, who's like performing the best in like the last five minutes. Yeah. And Fox has just knocked down so many shots this year where it's hard to... Like I, f- I feel like if I switched them and I had Sabonis higher, I would be ignoring this season too much, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. Honestly, I'm kind of looking now, uh, expanding, the, going, scrolling down a bit. And I think uh, my big difference, from, I, I think, between what your list is and um, what I would do is I would probably have those cards that you mentioned with Fox, Halvar, and Lamelo, just in tier six, along with like Sabonis, Bain. Like, I feel like you can make an argument for a lot of these players among like the, the three guards from the previous tier. Like I, I think you can make an argument for Sabonis being more important. I think you can make an argument for um, Brunson. I think you can make an argument for, or sorry, uh, Bain. Um, not sure about Brunson. I have to think about that a bit. Um, but yeah, like I, I would kind of have everybody. I think I just, I guess I'm, I, I like this tier. I just think that the guards you had in the previous tier, I would have had in this tier. So the reason I had Halliburton and the Mellow higher is I just think as playmakers, they, you know, you talked about having those high end engine guys. I think they're already very good playmakers, and I think they both have a shot to be like, you know, top whatever five or ten playmakers in the league that can like really drive an offense. I really like Brunson, but I think Brunson's a little bit more of a scoring variant, and I think just in general, I prefer the playmaking. So that's why I had them higher up, and then Fox. Like I said, it's the same thing. Where like Fox is just playing so well, I feel like if I didn't have Fox higher, I would be picking the um player archetype over the actual like what is happening in the league which i was trying not to do in my list so in this next tier there's a little bit of mix of players but I'll, i'm just going to go through it really quickly just because we do have to speed up at a certain point um but i'm just going to go roll through each player and then just let me know if you have any big disagreements or just a quick thought on each guy but draymond's here because you know he's not a good offensive player but there is playmaking and he's still really good on defense i think in the playoffs like his defense still is is hyper valuable and obviously translates sabonis we just talked about desmond bain really great up and coming player a fantastic shooter solid defender i think he pairs well with pretty much any 
high-end guy in the league, but he's not quite at his peak yet. He's getting there. He was playing really well earlier in the season, got injured, but is, is a good player that I think you know will be a pretty great player. Brunson obviously has been fantastic in New York, You know, scoring a lot of points, fantastic ball handler, can push the pace, does play make. Uh, has improved as a three-point shooter, especially pulling up. So that's great. Cat, this is probably the controversial that he's that he's this low. Cat, devastating offensive player. I know he's missed a lot of time this year, but it's it's really all about his defense. It, it, nothing at all to do with his offense. It's it's fantastic. He can shoot. He can drive. He can do it all. But defensively, he's very, really really poor. Like really poor. I did a scouting report podcast on him. You can go back and listen to um, the tape study. It's just. He just doesn't move well. He doesn't have good awareness. He's, I, there wasn't anything too like defensively. There's the occasional block because he's 6'11 or whatever he is. Um, after that, Julius Randle, you know, he wins most improved player, has a down year last year, playing extremely well this year. I don't know where that stabilizes, so it was really tough to rank him. And then Bradley Beal is just a professional basketball player who's just pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. So... That was kind of the lightning round of this tier. Would you like to do a lightning round yourself on this tier? Yeah, um, I'm just... You know, I've never heard you do a lightning round before. Uh, I think the guy I really want to talk about, uh, I don't really have an issue with anybody in this tier. Um, uh, I guess maybe Bane, I actually, Bane's in the right tier. I, I guess I'm just like a massively <laughs> big fan of his... I mean, we both we both like Bane a lot. Also, would it be just absolutely crazy to do it all seventy five players at that speed? Yeah, uh, I, I don't even know if I could do it. It seems like it'd be really hard to do. I do. I do want to touch talk about Towns quickly because you mentioned. Uh, so, hit, look, I do not disagree about the defense. Um, I think, like in your blurb here, you mentioned that being that bad on defense as a big is just really really bad <laughs> right it's just it's really hard to have a, a a competitive defense in the playoffs when your big man is a sieve yeah um so like if you look at his lebron for example this year i think it's um oh sorry i'm looking at his multi-year playoff lebron i think his d lebron's actually a little higher this year but i think a lot of that is rudy being there yeah, that might be it. Um, I do think he's not that bad of a rim protector, though, right? Like, if I'm not mistaken, aren't his rim? Yeah, I mean, he does. That's that's the one place he does, you know, run into some blocks. But again, I think that is important that you're not like like he's bad on defense at basically everything else. But the fact that he can block shots at the rim does add some value in terms of like you can use him as like a, a helper almost, right? Like as a low guy to come over and maybe get some blocks. Um, so like just having that ability to block shots at the rim, even if you can't do anything else helps a little bit. Um, though, so his D LeBron this year is 0.73. Uh, that's positive, but obviously, as you mentioned, considering everybody, like probably every big in the league is ahead of him. I, I haven't looked at the percentile, uh, for his D LeBron one. He's like, I want to say the last couple of years, he's like 40th percentile among bigs. But that basically means like every big that really plays is above him. Right. Okay. That's so that's obviously really bad. Um, and like his so the defense for a big is really bad. However, I'm going to actually um, and I, I mentioned this. Uh, did I mention this on a different podcast? Basically, the way to look at uh, all LeBron, D LeBron. So you can have like on offense. 
or sorry, on defense, you're going to have bigs that are traditionally have positive D LeBron, but they might not necessarily be uh, good among looking at comparing to other bigs, right? So Cat has a positive D LeBron. That's because he's a big man, and he, again, the rim protection is evidence as to why he can accrue positive. Can I, can I fill in those rim protection numbers for you? Yeah, sure. So last year, uh, this is above, among bigs, so anchor bigs and mobile bigs. He was 27th percentile in rim protection. Year before that, 39th percentile. Uh, year before, so that was those were really bad. Those were Ds. And then the two years before that, 84th percentile and 90th percentile. So uh, there was some years in there that was like it was pretty good against uh, among bigs. And then the last uh, 21 and 22 were were pretty bad, below average. Okay. Um, I, I was actually kind of curious where he ranks among the whole league just because like, no, I, I understand we're trying to compare versus bigs, but just in terms of like among the whole league, he's probably going to be above 50 percentile just because he is a big. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be at the top. Like he'll be like have an A every year because he's a big. Yeah. So, but basically what I wanted to say is like, so yeah, when you adjust for like, when you're looking at D LeBron, you're going to obviously adjust for the fact that like a bunch of centers are going to be better than him on defense. However, I think the one thing that you are maybe not considering with Cat is his 1.402 O LeBron. When we essentially the overall LeBron estimate, I think is going to actually do a great job of placing yourself, like placing a ranking among the entire league. Because one thing you also have to do with O LeBron is you have to also mentally adjust in your mind for position there as well. Because you you need a boost because you're not getting that kind of offensive production from the yeah. from your big men normally. Yeah. So we talked about this earlier um, about the number of like when we talked about Embiid and Jokic, we said those two guys were head and shoulders above everybody offensively, and that there was like no. And the, the third guy I mentioned uh, at that time was Cat, right? So he is right there. I don't think he's as good offensively as those two, but he's probably a step up uh, below. He's a pretty devastating scorer. Well, and he, I mean, for a big, he's not a bad playmaker, but obviously not at the same level as someone like Joker. Right. But like if you're comparing them to every other center that's not named Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, is there any center that's even remotely close to him on offense? I think Sabonis might have a higher O LeBron this year. Okay. Sabonis might be a good one. Yeah. I mean, Sabonis, I mean, is playing really well this year also. Yeah. But your point stands. The point isn't to prove you're wrong. The point is I'd probably also include Sabonis in there. But then after that, I think there's a very large gap to the next offensive center. Right. And like, and you're now talking about third, like, and the other thing I'm going to add, so you're talking about like 30 centers, right? So being that high on offense is going to add a lot of value. So like his overall old LeBron value is going to be a little higher because of that um, ability to, um, like, because he's a center and you just don't get that level of production. So it's like almost looking at it as like his old LeBron above the position average, if you wanted to think about it that way. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. that, that, that makes sense. No, I think that's a good I, point. So I have him at 36 on this list. Okay. So okay. basically like I, you would think about him as like a top 40 player with all of his value coming on offense, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, uh, I lost, uh, <laughs> we're like his, like, I think your point is his offensive value as a big is better than a top 40 player. But what I'm saying is you have to, like, you got to take some value away for the defense because it's quite bad. Well, so what I'm trying to say is that his overall LeBron and his overall ranking in LeBron is going to be basically where it should be because 
while you add while you demerit him on defense because compared to his position he's really bad you are adding that back in on offense because he's that much better than every big. Oh, the one thing I did want to add is he's got he's in a weird situation this year where he's actually playing power forward. So yeah. That um, so now if you so if you're comparing him to power forwards, his defense is now um, like because power forwards are expected to be a little worse on defense. It's not as bad. And, yeah. But then because power forwards are a little better on offense, he's maybe not as good. So that's where it gets a little interesting. The one thing I do want to add, though, is like when he is playing center, um, he, how many centers can shoot 40% from three? <laughs> one? Is the answer a one? It's basically... So Horford's been at 40%, I think, this year, but like that's the only... Never, never any other part. Never before, yeah. So if you're looking at consistent 40% three-point strip from the center position, he's literally the only player. And I think there's honestly kind of a part of me that's like, why isn't he taking like, I mean, I guess it's hard because they're not all self-generated, but I'm like, why isn't he taking like 10 a game? Yeah. And, and the thing is like when you stick him at center, like if you just think away about the way, like a lot of people are uh, like guarding a pick and roll or guarding like, um, and you know, you get a lot of like being able to pop out at center and you it it makes it very hard for like it, it makes it very weird for most defensive centers to guard a center that can pop right because there's just not that many of them and honestly most defenses yeah, yeah. in the league like 99% of the defenses in the league are like okay with most centers shooting threes like even like you know i think honestly even people are like okay with like in beat or Jokic shooting threes, even though they're pretty good shooters. Like, because it, you just can't defend. Like, you can't defend the rim and that. It's just right. not possible. And if you're so, up something, it's like, yeah, most centers are not good three point shooters. Yeah, go ahead, take it. You know, like, um, whereas, like, th- that's where Towns is. Like, you can't give up an open Towns three. So that's what makes it very unique in terms of, like, defending him as a center. Now, again, when he's playing power forward, that makes it different. That's like, you know, makes a difference in terms of like, oh, now there's more power forwards who can shoot threes, right? But yeah, so we've talked about this some. I actually really liked. So basically what I thought happened last year is the Timberwolves, you know, they they made the playoffs and that was great. And then they lost. And it was like, well, they they need to change the team. It's it's not you cannot go very far in the playoffs with Cat as your defensive anchor. It's just not going to work. So they traded for Rudy. Well, and I, I like the trade at the time. It was, did I like the price? No, but I like the idea because I was like, this is going to work on offense. And then on defense, you're going to figure it out. And it's been unfortunate because Gobert has underperformed this year. And then Cat has missed a ton of time. And that was going to take some, that was honestly going to take a few months to figure out. So I'm sad that we haven't gotten to see it this year. Hopefully we'll see it next year. But I really like the move, and I think him at the four makes a lot more sense. And like, like you're right, where like him helping from the corner as the four and providing some rim protection because just his size. Like, I do think there is value there. So I think him as at a center position wasn't ever going to work to win a championship. But him at the four, I'm I don't know what the answer is, and that's better than me being like, yeah, I'm pretty positive this isn't going to work at the five. So, Cat's uh, a tricky guy because. You really he interestingly enough, you would think his three point shooting opens up roster flexibility and makes it easier to build around him. And I think on paper, that's what we all thought. But in reality, his defensive deficiencies make it very difficult to build around him. 
Yeah, um, I do think you, there are probably like, so I like the Gobert trade as well, but um, I think like if I was trying to find like the perfect fit around him, it might be somebody more like a Draymond or a Bam or like, <laughs> obviously like Triple J, for example, who... <laughs> so basically like one of the five best defensive players in the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they got one uh, of them, Rudy, Gobert. Rudy is one, well, so Rudy has been more traditionally impactful on defense. I was talking... So, but I was just kind of thinking about a player who can be a little more versatile with, with the way they play, uh, in like pick and roll, or you know, more versatile with their coverages. Like, they can maybe yeah. switch on in the perimeter a little more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. But here's my thing, right? If you play two bigs, when you're handling pick and roll, when your your low man that rotating over is cat, that's going to be more effective than like a shooting guard. You know what I mean? When you play double big, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, like uh, you know, yeah. Uh, it, no I, offense to I don't know who would be Noel <laughs> rotating over, but I'm um, assume Cat is going to provide more resistance as the low man. Yeah, so in that way, it's a shame we haven't really gotten to see that pairing a little more. And uh, I guess I I think we'll probably see it next year, maybe. But um, I guess who knows. <laughs> Yeah, so that's Cat at 36. I actually, I really like where he ended up on the list because I think that's a, a good... Do you know what he where he is in LeBron this year? Uh, where is he? Uh, oh, no, I've... Oh, oh, <laughs> I, mean, I can look it up. Oh, I just cool. met you because you referenced it earlier. I wasn't sure if you knew. Oh, yeah, no, I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, when we did the pod a few days ago, I, I had that up. So, uh, <laughs> no, I don't have it up at the moment. Although, I'm going to look it up right now because I am curious. Uh, so. Okay, well, all the uh, all I no, I got it, I got it. So you can't have it. Um, he's well, is this right? Is he 16th in LeBron this year? It seems high. You look it up because I might be wrong. Uh, he's 41st. There you go. I didn't. I, oh, because I'm looking at just bigs. I'm like that can't be right. So he's 41st. I have met 36. All right, I'm pretty good with. I'm happy with. Yeah. That so right. you got him somewhere around where he uh, should be. Uh, all right, and then after that we got Randall and Beal, just kind of rounding out players that are like. They're they're good, but they're not better than the great players. Uh, yeah, I, I was just gonna give the uh, rankings uh, quickly here for um, whoops uh, for <laughs> for Beal and and Randall in terms of like where they are in LeBron. Um, Beal is actually fifty eighth in LeBron this year. Okay, I have him thirty eighth on my list, so I'm a little, a little bit higher. And Randall is twenty sixth. Um, I think, and I'm a little lower on. Yeah, him. which is fair because he's he's just been very bizarre. The last year he was just not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, to to put it nicely, he or to put it not nicely, I guess he he wasn't <laughs> to put it meanly. To put it meanly, he was he wasn't very good last year. Uh, and then of course this year he's 26th, and I think the year before he was uh, really good as well. So it's it's been a very weird three year period for him and i think i'm assuming what you try to do is kind of like take the average of the three years almost so he's i mean with randall it's really hard i mean that's kind of what i was doing but with randall it's very so like i would say three was it three years ago was his most improved there two years ago i don't know i don't know how you how how we're phrasing this we'll call it the 21 season it was the year before last year yeah the 21 season he was you know the most improved player he was playing at a good level I had him as like a, I don't maybe a B minus player, 
And then last year, it was definitely somewhere in the C's where it was like, oh, okay, this is the regression we all saw coming. He's probably like a C player. I don't know, maybe he's a C plus. And then this year, he's playing at a really high level. His O LeBron is extremely high. I think it's almost like four. And I'm like, okay, so is he like a B or B plus player now? Or like, it's just, it's confusing to get three different, like three different ideas in my head in three years and I'm like, is there another regression year next year? I think because next year is where we'll we'll know. It's isn't it funny where it's like, I just need this guy to play like nine or ten years to figure out how good he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so here's the question: What if he goes back to being not good last? Oh, I just I you know I would do a thing like in the movies where I I grab all the papers on my desk and I'd lean back and I'd throw them all in the air. What What if he just alternates every year? Well, uh, <laughs> Um, that I, I, <laughs> I, my, my brain just won't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do now. Um, so that, that definitely could happen. It would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm trying to pull up where he is. Uh, two years ago, he had a 1.16 LeBron last, uh, two years ago. Um, so that was, let's see where that would rank. Um, that would rank in the uh, – he was 79th a few years ago. So he's actually, interestingly uh, – Oh, sorry. Just for everyone at home, we have Randall at 37. This is the highest year he's ever had LeBron. It's not even close. Yeah. So, well, two years ago, he was 79th in LeBron. So he had a really good year uh, two years ago, or at least like, like – that was the year he made All-NBA over Tatum, right? Uh, oh, yeah, you you didn't know that. I think I just like blacked it out. <laughs> you made all NBA over Tatum. He was seventy uh, ninth in LeBron uh, two years ago, um, and then last year uh, I'm I'm not gonna look it up. I don't want to you know be mean to Randall, but let's just say he was not anywhere close. I don't think. Um, and then this year he is. Uh, 20 what was it i said it earlier it was uh 20 something <laughs> 26th was it yeah he's 26th in lebron this year so uh even compared to two years ago he's gone up 50 spots i think what would make you a little higher on randall now is that he's got two years where he's been like uh a decent sized positive player um compared to like the uh, last year where he had a negative LeBron. So, yeah, I think you probably gave him a little too much weight for this year, just in terms of like he's... But the thing was this year, he almost has like a four. I don't know if this means anything he may want at home, but he almost has a four and O LeBron. We're like, that's getting to like all NBA status. Right. Um, it's just hard to ignore. Like it's uh, There just aren't a lot of people putting up fours. I guess, do you think he could repeat this? I have no idea. But, like, I have to give him credit for what he's doing. Yeah, I guess with, well, also because of his age, he's like 28. So, to me, it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, this is like somebody who's going to continue to get better as he gets older or something like that. Like, like this will probably be the best year of his career, but who knows? I could be wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, we could be because like two years ago, we would have thought that. So who knows? Um, I ju- that it just looking at his LeBron, I guess it does feel a little high given where he's been the two previous years. Um, like, 
That's why it's confusing. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is very confusing. Um, are you, Beal is hard to rank, man. <laughs> Beal is hard to rank. He had some really great seasons. Then the last two years, he missed. He had an injury last year. This year, he's been like fine. I think he's one of those guys, like we were talking about earlier, if Beal was on a good team and he was uh, like the third best player on the team, I'd be really interested to see what that is. But this list is not about contracts, but he has one of the biggest contracts in the league. I don't know how he gets moved, but I would really like to see it. Yeah, we uh, we talked about it earlier with like Fox, where um, we like his situation improved so drastically. So with like Beal, if you stuck him in like a much better situation, you're probably right. Like this is probably a fair ranking firm. Um, can we? So I I guess um, let's let's kind of move on to the next year here. With and I wanted to quickly talk about Levine, who seems kind of extremely high. So hold on one second. With Beal, one thing I wanted to say was uh, I want him to get traded to the Knicks. Oh, okay. This offseason. I want the package in return to be like centered around R.J. Barrett, uh, maybe like three or four first-round picks, and I don't know, who, who, maybe another young player. But I think uh, I'd be interested in Beal, Randall, Brunson, and like the solid group they have there. Uh. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be really interesting. Adding Bill to the Knicks, um, I think. Yeah, I'd be game for that. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about the next tier. The next tier is really small. The next tier is Levine, Anthony Edwards, and Laurie Markkinen. So Levine is very high on the list. I also think that uh, I talked to some people about it while I was making the list. And Levine's thing is, it is all skill set. I think he has a really ideal skill set to be the second scoring punch on a team because he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He's been like literally the best in our off-ball shot making this year and two years ago. So he has, you know, the three-point shot. He attacks closeouts really well. He can get to the rim. He finishes well. And, you know, not much of a playmaker, not much of a defender, but really has like that big time scoring. I think there was, was there a year on the Bulls where he averaged 30 a season? Like he can really score in bunches and he has the skill set to play off another star. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of shocked, I guess, at how high he, I do see what you're saying regarding his skill set. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised though. His three point shot making this year is he's, I don't see him anywhere near like the top 20 here or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, um, like you plug him in on the, like, let's just say the Lakers traded for him instead of the package they got in return. I think that like third scoring player would be, he, that's where he would really fit in huge. What about his defense? It's not, it's not great, but he's again, you're scoring enough points. I don't really know if it matters. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I get it. so I get what you're saying with like this. He's got a good efficiency too. It's not it's not just points. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, he's got a good skill set. It's or like if he was on the, I'm trying to think if you'd swap him out on another team. Like if you added him to the the Heat and you got you know a trade with Tyler Hero, I feel like he would add some extra scoring punch that the Heat like really need. Yeah, um, I guess. I guess the major issue maybe with Levine, the ranking with Levine is like, 
it feels like we're ranking Levine based on a theoretical situation where he's like in a much better situation than like what he's done, which is. But I mean, he's been the second guy on the Bulls, and he's performed, I think, really well in that role. Um. Yeah. Like it's just the the thing is like so he's playing off DeRozan, right? Right. And DeRozan's the lead guy, and I just think we've seen him play as the second guy, and I, I feel like the last few years he, he's played very well. Yeah, he's got he's well. Interestingly, as LeBron has like gone down over the last three years. Uh, it's point six one this year, point six eight last year, one point three two the year before. Yeah, he was dealing with a little bit of an injury early in this year. He kind of struggled, and then he turned it on like the last like month or two. He's uh, 97th in LeBron this year. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. It just feels to me like um, I, I get what you're saying with the skill set. Like I, I completely agree that like if we're talking about um, like his skill set, he just fits so much better next to like a LeBron or in Miami or whatever. Um, but it just seems... Uh, okay, I'm, it just seems insane to have him over Anthony Edwards, by the way. My thing with Anthony Edwards is they're in the same tier. So if you want him to be higher, I don't care. But with Edwards, I feel like we're – we're so I'm saying Levine in a better situation. I, I got a couple of comments on Twitter where it was like, yeah, Anthony Edwards in two years is absolutely going to be better. He's going to be probably like a top 20 player. But right now, Anthony Edwards is a pretty good scorer. He's a good driver. He can get to the rim. But – there's not a lot of playmaking and he looks like he's a pretty solid defender, but like his lack of playmaking is not great. I think that's going to get better, but right now it's just not that good. And I think as just like a pure scorer, I think him and Levine are in like a similar category. Yeah. I, I guess maybe the issue I'm having is like, I'm maybe projecting and, uh, forward i guess um yeah because the the whole this list is just about like right now this year winning a championship and i just anthony edwards is only in his third year again year five totally gonna be higher but right now what is his, his o lebron's like a one uh yeah I'm, I'm gonna look it up so did you actually know though that ant has a higher three-point shot making talent uh three-point shot making grade this year than uh uh zach levine I mean, okay, but like Zach's been really high over the last like four years. That that went into it also with his ranking. He's been consistently one of the better three point shooters yeah, in the that's league. That's true. Um, well, the I, the reason I guess I just mentioned Ant's three point shot making is uh, he's like in his third year, right? So so to be that good, like, well, so I mean, Ant's scoring is good. I, I don't I don't. There's no issue for me with Ant scoring. But right now, if you're trying to win a championship. These guys, neither of them will be the lead guy. They would be a, a, a secondary third guy. And I think Levine's skill set is is really optimized to that right now. And like he's in his prime. And Ant is at the beginning of what looks to be a really good career. Yeah, I I guess the issue I'm having right now is I'm like thinking of where Ant could be like um, even like two weeks from now, right? Like <laughs> even 24 hours it, from now. Yeah, it does seem like he's improved a lot over the course of the season. So yeah. I guess that's part of the issue I'm I'm seeing here, where it's like I'm thinking of Ant over the like last 20 games, but then if you look at his entire season, like he didn't start out the season very well, um, and this is actually something he's done. Like I think last year he did as well, where like he really came on in the second half of the season. So it um, I I think that's kind of what I'm struggling. Like I'm thinking about the way he's playing right now, 
No, he's playing right now is honestly way better than Zach Levine, right? But he has not played that way the whole season. And so it's... It just came down to Levine has a little more of a track record of playing at this level. And obviously Ant's on the ascension. But, you know, when you've only played two and a half seasons, you, you just can't have a track record. Yeah, I guess... Um, I, I still think I would probably have Ant ahead of him because um, I feel like... <laughs> well, especially because like it feels like <laughs> I'm gonna go back to uh, I'm gonna go back to your number two Luca here. It feels like you projected with him, so I don't see. Oh no way, baby! That already happened in the playoffs. Huh? Last well, Luka, year, Luca in the playoffs I, that already happened. Huh? Yeah, I uh, I still think you're projecting with him because I don't think he's reached Giannis level or Steph level in the playoffs. Uh, in our in our playoff, LeBron, he's not even he's not at their level, right? Yeah, but that's because that's a three-year sample. So, like, it has, like, a 20-year-old him. Yeah, but I don't think he's been... I don't think last year is that much different in the... I thought... I I disagree. I think he was at, like, demigod level last year. Uh, Yeah, I, I guess I'm just, like, go... If you look at his series numbers against the Warriors, for example... Yeah, I think he had like. Oh, when he was playing the best team in the league alone. Yeah, but like this is that's that we're looking at that like we're we're trying to compare him to. Uh, I, look, I'm sorry. I think Steph putting up 33 against the best defense of the last like five years or whatever uh, is more impressive than uh, and on 60 plus true shooting is a little more impressive than what Luca did. Uh, yeah, but Steph's six months older now. That 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 hill is starting to decline. Steph. Yeah, yeah, he's not at his peak. We just saw him put up. No, his peak was like 2016. No, I'm talking about like. I don't know. We just saw him play really well, but I'm just saying, as each day passes, Luca gets stronger, stuff gets a little weaker. Yeah, I. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny is you say that, and like I think there was a debate last year about like it's about Steph during the finals about whether that was like Steph at his peak in the finals because he gotten stronger. Uh, I don't know. He, I mean, he played really well in the finals, but I don't know. That that original four-year really run well. was uh, really? pretty crazy. <laughs> he played really well in the finals. What do you really? The dude had 46 points in game six, uh, game four, against the best defense. Wow. He, <laughs> You're getting mad like at me for saying he played really well. I don't understand. What? You're getting mad at me for saying he, agreeing with you and saying he played really well. Really well seems like you're under... See... I think what's better than really well? Uh, I don't know, like top, like something five performance in the. I don't know, like better than really well. The awesome is better than really well. We can come up with a lot. Super of, duper. You want me to say that? Yeah, super duper. We can come up with a lot of words that are better than really well. That's what Luca was against. You know, in the in the playoffs, he was really well. I, I also just think Luca's been a lot better this year. Uh, than Steph. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I think that's fair. I just like I don't know. I, I this so now we're going we're going to go back to Ant and uh, and Zach to like round this back into uh, or to kind of rein this in. I think the tricky thing is like, and I I want to talk about quickly about like the criteria here, where it's like how much do you wait? And I want to ask you this: how much are you waiting this current regular season versus like the playoffs over the last like because Ultimately, the playoffs, we it, it's kind of hard to like the playoffs matter more, right? 
So you do want to factor in what you think will happen in this playoffs, but at the same time, you we don't know what's going to happen in this playoffs. So we have to kind of base it on what happened last playoffs, if that makes sense, right? Like we still have to, uh, e- even though a play, like all these players are one year older, so for Luca that could mean he's better, or for like Katie or Steph that could mean they're potentially worse. But we still don't know what they look like in the playoffs because they haven't happened. So I guess the the trouble I'm having here with like the criteria is like how much do you weigh the current regular season versus like the playoffs from last year, the playoffs from the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say what's happened the most recently, I'm weighing the most, but also, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Like, this playoffs are obviously really important. I don't, can I just say I don't know how to answer it? That's fair. Yeah, I, I guess, like, um, and the, the, the computations in my head, it, it'll start smoking. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, going back to Ant and Levine, like, uh, I mean, they're uh, literally in the same tier. So if you want to move Ann up one slot, I, it's like, I don't care. Well, I guess, I guess uh, no, that's fair. You, you said they're in the same tier. My my thing was I actually thought Ant should have been should have been a tier above them. I think I would have had mm. Levine in the lower tier. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I would have had mm. Levine in like, man, I maybe am I too harsh if I would have said I would have had like Levine closer to like tier like nine or ten or something. I think so. I mean, he has, it's a lot of scoring on positive efficiency. Like it's a lot of scoring. Why am I taking Zach Levine over Mikel Bridges? Because Levine can, well, I don't know. Mikel Bridges went to the Nets and all of a sudden started averaging like 40. But prior to that was (laughs) not a big time scorer. I mean, new Mikel Bridges on the Nets, if he keeps averaging 38 points a game, definitely better. Well, having seen this now from Mikel Bridges, would you have him like, Given what- no, because I think like I don't think it's gonna continue. Uh, how many games he's played? Twelve games with the Nets, and he's averaging twenty six points. I-, I mean, if he, I mean, if he just is that, that's crazy. But uh, I, I need more than a nine game sample or whatever you just said. Well, twelve. Well, he- okay, twelve. I, um, you know what? So we, we talked about we've uh, we've done podcasts on the on the stabilization, right? If you actually took. Uh, Bridges like stabilized points per game, for example. I don't have an actual number for that, but I bet you it would be like over 20 points per game because 12 game averaging uh, 25.8 points per game over 12 games is very hard. You can't just kind of stumble into that. The the number of people that stumble into averaging 26 points per game over 12 games is like it's going to be mostly guys averaging 20 points per game right probably so i so i guess what i'm saying is like i do think you should rethink where you would have like somebody like bridges based on what he's doing offensively on the nets i mean my brain just needs way more time than like a week and a half to like on a player on a new team to like come up with any sort of opinion i mean that i'm not saying you're wrong and i'm right i'm just telling you that's my brain just just has to have more time Okay, that's fair. I still think, though, like, and I'm looking at some of the other players in this tier with, like, Wiggins and OG, and I I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm if I'm necessarily having, like, Levine over these guys. Like, I guess for me, Levine can score 35 in a playoff game. Like, he could do it multiple times in, like, a, a playoff run on a good team, in my opinion, and I don't think OG and Anobi can do that. Uh, 
Yeah. So I guess we'll get to them. I guess we'll talk about those guys a little more when we get down to them. Uh, yeah. I, you're right that OG can't do it, but like, could Mikhail and Andrew Wiggins do it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe this new Mikhail Bridges maybe can, but I don't think Andrew Wiggins can either. Like, I don't know how many points he scored in the finals last year or whatever, but like, I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but there's a reason he's like was slotted as like whatever the fourth guy when he came over to Golden State and wasn't the number one or two guy in in Minnesota. Well, the Golden State team was kind of weird because they basically had Steph at like you know the scoring obviously Steph scoring way ahead, and then they had like Clay, Poole, and Wiggins all kind of around each other in similar scoring, like. If you look- yeah, the, they were all adding like like an interesting amount of value offensively, but like none of them were really separating themselves from the others. Right. Um, actually, so I mean, so <laughs> I guess we're bouncing around here because I was going to say like we could talk about like Clay versus Andrew Wiggins, and it seems like you have Clay much higher. Yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah, let's keep going in order. We're going to get to them in the next episode. We're about to wrap up here. The last thing I want to touch on is Lauren Marketing before we wrap here. He's the last guy in this tier. So we had Levine at 39, which, you know, if you want to move him down a little bit, that's totally fine. I think my placing of him there is the scoring volume, the efficiency, and then the ideal skill set as the, the second or third offensive scorer. And great player. He's just really, really young. I, I think if anyone's going to move up this list the fastest, it's him. Um, Because I think he's going to be a top 20 player. Who knows after that? The next, I don't know, two years. He just needs to, you know, incorporate the playmaking a little bit more. And then Laurie has been the breakout guy this year. He's been fantastic. He looks like a building block. It's just one of those things. I just want to see it happen again next year. And then, um, you know, maybe moves up a tier from there because he seems to look like a really good player. Yeah. um, I'm, by the way, Regarding Markkanen, uh, I, I think you got him in the right. I, I I like this tier. I guess the only guy I was a little kind of questionable about was Levine. And I actually think you could actually move both. Uh, it's kind of weird because you have three guys in this tier. Like, honestly, this tier could just be dissolved. We can move Anthony Edwards and Markkanen up and we can move that's Levine I, down. And like, yeah. that's not that's I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to scream and shout about that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I might have moved those guys up. Um, was like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know how big these or small these tiers were supposed to be. I didn't know if there was like a, a, a professional courtesy of tier size. Uh, I, it's a really good question. Cause, um, like when you're doing a ranking like this, you want to be able to, it's, it's hard. Like, I don't think you should actually have a set number in any tier, but what I will say, and I don't think you did that, which is great. Uh, what I will say though is I do think that when we get down to like you, you at the very top, you have like your tier one and your tier two, and you're gonna have um, less players to me in the tier one and tier two, uh, and then you know a few more players in tier three than you would in tier one and two, and then to me the tiers are gonna get um, progressively large, like they're gonna get larger as you go down because mm-hmm. yeah, because like my tier after this list, the reason I cut it off here is because the next tier has like I don't know, like forty players in it or something, like thirty players. In uh, are we talking about tier eight or nine here? No, it would be tier like tier player because this list is seventy five players. The next tier is like from player seventy six to like a hundred and five. Yeah. Um, let, let's just quickly touch on tier eight and then we'll, uh, end this episode, I guess. 
Uh, okay. So we can. <laughs> uh, so uh, tier eight, we so we're at we're at player number forty two in Jared Allen. So Jared Allen, I just love him. Really good anchor, big can finish plays at, at a high level. After that, Gobert. Gobert was hard to rank because he is a really good defensive player, but his value is it, it, it's just not the same guy this year. I don't know if that's age starting to creep up, new team. I don't really know what's going on there. Aaron Gordon playing at a really high level in Denver, uh, and then Jamal Murray's teammate right there, and then Brandon Ingram. Uh, who who are who, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this tier? Um, yeah, so, uh, man, Gobert is, he's a tough player. To he was really hard to rank because all his values from defense, pretty much, you know, he has some play finishing, but it's just not where it's been the last few years. Yeah. So it's not been where it's been and it's not bad or by, by any means, it's not like he's a negative on defense. He's just like a good defensive player. Right. And I think. Um, what's weird about it is that he's not where he's been the past few years, and that's immediately after changing teams, which is what, which, which makes it, um, I don't know, it makes it feel like it's more complicated because, like, right when he changes teams, you all of a sudden see kind of a drop off in some of that defensive value. And I'm not saying that's because he changed teams, but he's also in his 30s now, right? Like, and I think I want to make clear that, uh, just because. Rudy, well, so that's the other thing. I get this is age thirty season, right? So, so he literally changed teams, and in his he's had this drop off in his age thirty season on a new team, which is kind of a weird collection of like, you know, things to all happen at once. Yeah, like like when like thirty is a big number, right? In terms of like the NBA, like once. People always associate that with like, oh, now you're starting to get old, right? In the, at least in terms of the NBA, right? Um, so, like, so him turning age 30 this year, and then also changing teams, and like, I want to be clear that like, I don't think Gobert going from Utah to Minnesota is why his rim protection numbers are down, right? Like, there's no reason. I don't think rim protection is going to change from one team to another. Um, because it's just all about like your ability to protect the like it, it to me. I, I it, there's part of me that agrees with you, right? Where I'm like, I, I totally get what you're saying, but then there's part of me that's like, I don't know. I think there might be a little something, just like you know the way the team plays, the scheme, the coaching. I want to agree with you 100, percent but I agree with you like 60. percent Okay, I I am actually not sure. I th- I think it's possible you're right. That like maybe there is some um, change in like maybe rim protection isn't as strongly correlated once you change teams. And this is something that we have a potential future podcast to look at um, where we can look at like how rim protection changes like once you change teams. I think that's something we've got to answer just to figure out if uh, if maybe that's part of the reason Gobert's declined as a rim protector. Um so yeah, like so, this decline for Gobert on defense, um, you would probably also expect it. It might continue. Then again, um, it like he's always gonna have like the what does he have the longest wingspan in the NBA? Or sorry, the is it longer than Mo Bamba's? Uh, I don't know. He might have. Is it standing reach? Does he have the highest standing reach in the NBA? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those. 
Um, or he's like right behind Mo Bamba. Either way, uh, in his age 31 season, that's not changing, <laughs> right? So like even if he loses a bit of mobility, you would think that it's possible the rim protection numbers bounce back because like again, he's insane. He's just he's got the like second biggest or biggest you know standing reach in the NBA. So uh, or I guess next year it'll be a third once Wemby comes in. You but. big uh, you're big standing reach guy. Um, yeah, you know what, it, like, uh, I feel like people kind of overrate height a bit and we don't look at standing reach or, uh, I've talked about this. So there's something in baseball called perceived velocity. So basically like Randy Johnson was like 6'10 and he threw really hard, but he released the ball closer to the plate than other pitchers because he's 6'10 and he has really long wingspan and he throws really hard. So there was another pitcher, Chris Young, who was like 6'10 and he threw like 89 miles an hour, which is not very hard. But people were like, oh, no, his perceived velocity is actually like a few ticks higher because he's 6'10 and he's releasing the ball closer to the plate. So I do think there is like whatever – there's your height and then there's like your perceived height, which is like your height plus your wingspan. Yeah. And like Draymond's taller than 6'6 because his wingspan. Actually, you know what? My, I'm going to sit here and argue that height does not matter at all. And it does, it's not even real. You know, this sounds like someone, this sounds like an argument from someone that's under six foot. I am under six foot. <laughs> but, well, in my defense, I also have tiny arms, I think. I, <laughs> you know I, what's funny? I have no idea what my wingspan is. I've never I'm had. over six foot and I have tiny arms too, so don't worry about it. Okay. I don't know what my wingspan is. Maybe I have a taller wingspan than height, in which case I'm arguing the wrong direction. I've measured, I've measured my wingspan what? and I have a negative wingspan. Okay. Uh, no, so I guess, I mean, I think, like, I don't even think wingspan, because, like, uh, if you're, if you're going up to jump, the, the second arm doesn't matter, right? Well, also, the, you, everyone has the different, like, different widths in their torso. I talked about this, when I was doing a stream with, with Tim, we were doing a Laker game, and Max Christie is one of the narrowest guys in the league. Also, Michael Porter Jr. is one of the narrowest players in the league. So I think that negatively affects their wingspan. But you're correct. If you're only putting one arm, one arm into the air, it doesn't matter how narrow you are. Yeah, you can't stack your second arm on top of your first arm. No, you're not allowed to do that. If you do that, then like wingspan really matters. But like standing reach to me is what like standing reach plus I guess your vertical because like if you can like obviously if you have no standing reach, if you have a decent standing reach and an insane vertical, then like all of that would just completely overcome your height, right? But your so, standing reach is more important than your vertical, right? Because I'm sure jaw can get higher than a lot of other players. We've seen him block balls like above the square, but he can't be at that height all the time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. Um, but I think this that's a good example of why somebody like Draymond, who's six foot six, Draymond being six foot six does not matter. He's like Because he's, he's really like six eight or six nine with that wingspan. Right, exactly, and yeah. and possibly even taller. Like I think, so I think he has like a what a seven one seven two wingspan. So, um, like if you compare his standing reach to most other players, he might be more closer to like somebody who's like six nine or six ten or something, right? So like he's basically kind of more like a big man. He's like more so, like the size of like Rob Williams than. Yeah. The other thing I was gonna say is about height is like I think I feel like people under overrate the difference between like so if like somebody's like. Six one versus like six four, 
that's three inches, but is three inches really that big? Like I'm sitting here, like I'm stacking like my fingers here to try and like measure three inches, like on top of my head. And it doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference. So this is what I think about that. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. In fact, I think three inches is where it starts to matter because we'll just assume, obviously we know everyone's wingspan is not the same, but majority of people, like I guess this would be like the general population. If you're three inches taller and your wingspan will say is, is three inches longer too, like all of a sudden that's six inches on your standing reach where like once you start to get to six inches, I played a lot of pickup basketball versus people about my height. <laughs> and yeah. when people start to be, I'm six two, when people start to be like six above six five is to where it really starts to be a, a really big problem. And I'm like that, I would imagine that scales to other people. I don't know if that's true or not, but cause you're, you're not, it's not just three inches. You're, it's probably closer to like five total inches on standing reach, give or take, you know, if you're not measuring height correctly or the wingspan's just a little variable, you know? Okay, that I do agree with. So I do agree. So that's why, like, if we're using standing height, um, then I would agree that, like, that makes a big difference. Like, five, six inches makes a big difference. Um, I was just thinking of, like, height without wingspan. But if you're factoring that in and, like, everybody has, like, the and the wingspan's, like, the same for all those guys... Uh, or like it's the same as their height, then like, yeah, I agree that like the standing, like six inches in, in standing reach is a, a big difference. Um, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> we've gone totally off topic here. We've gone deep into standing reach. All right, so we're going we're gonna to wrap this in a few minutes. Uh, anything you want to say on Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, or Brandon Ingram? Um, yeah. So, oh, you have also Jared Allen in this year, right? Oh yeah. I just love Jared Allen. I think he's just a really good basketball player. He knows he's very good at knowing where to stand, which is like very important. Yeah. Did you know you mentioned his wingspan in this article? I did. Well, cause I didn't realize this. He only measures at six, nine, the throw, the throw, it makes you assume he's taller, but I think he has like a seven, three wingspan. So I'm like, oh, so it equals out to being like a seven, seven footer. Six. Wingspan. Oh, seven six wingspan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Cause he can Wait. like he can get a lot of dunk finishes in the key that like where he's barely off the ground. And I'm like, oh, he just must be seven feet tall. But it helps him because he's six nine. He has a little lower center of gravity, and it makes him a little bit more mobile on the perimeter. He's only six nine? Mm-hmm. It's the hair. It fools you. Yeah, you're right. You know I what? looked it up multiple times writing the article. Yeah. The more I think about it, I think I kind of prefer these guys who are like six nine six eight because you're right like it gives them a lower center of gravity it also makes them a little more um i guess i want to say coordinated is that the right word because yeah, just generally smaller people are a little more coordinated right and and then like you have uh and then by the way grow out the pro too because that adds a few inches right and uh and then if you have so if you're like six nine but you have like a seven five seven six wingspan that to me is kind of like the sweet spot for some of these guys defensively where, you know, they're going to be a little more coordinated, probably a little more mobile and maybe less susceptible to injuries as well, just because they're not like gigantic humans. They're slightly less but, gigantic humans. Yeah. Well, no, they are gigantic humans, just not relatively to every other NBA player, I guess. Right. Because like, like, you're probably going to weigh a little bit less because your frame is going to be smaller and that could right. potentially put less stress on your feet and knees, which are where like big men have a, like if you start having foot injuries as a seven footer, it's really problematic. Yeah, um, exactly. So, 
Uh, I did not know Alan was only six nine. That is like shot. Like I've always thought he was seven feet. And you're right. It's the fro. It's just, it's just like it tricks you, right? Like, um, okay, let's. I, I'm gonna quickly move down. Uh, oh, Murray is okay. Go- wow, Gordon and Murray are right next to each See, other. See, my thing with was I on paper Jamal Murray is like more electric, can score more points, have the forty point playoff game. But Aaron Gordon is just playing so well this year, and he is a two way player. Yeah, uh, I think that Murray's. Murray started off very slowly. Yeah, coming back from an ACL. So the thing with Murray is he's playing pretty well now. You know, has that explosiveness to his game, is a good shooter, but has never gotten to the rim well, doesn't finish well there, and as a playmaker, has never been great. And I dug into the data, has always provided pretty below average shot quality for passes he's generating. Uh, Did you know Jamal Murray... At, uh, scored 50 points three times in a, in a series. I just remember he just went ballistic. I think that was in the Jazz series. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, I think literally the last sentence in the article is like the big-time playoff scoring, you just look past things once you see that. Oh, three times in, in a series? Yeah, I mean, I'll look past some flaws when you're doing that. Uh, oh, yeah, well... Let's see. I'm actually curious now. Was it three times or twice? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking you at the box. It. He had a 12-point game in this series. This is nuts. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> and Mitchell also had 50 uh, points. You know what's crazy about Murray is, uh, yeah, let's see, he had 50 points in game four. The crazy thing about Murray is, remember in that bubble series, uh, I feel like a large kind of discussion was about, like, Murray Murray and Mitchell were kind of going back and forth in that series and I think he could have had a legitimate debate about like which player was uh better at that point right and um Mitchell's just kind of taken off and Murray's kind of been like I don't want to say left in the dust because that's not what happened. He got injured. Yeah, that, that that injury really – we talked about this off the air. It happened at just like a really poor time because he missed the playoffs and then he missed the whole next year. Right, and I think the other thing is like – and it's caused – it's had an effect on this year too because he started out slowly. So that's an injury that almost had like a – is it three-season impact? Like th- impact over three different seasons, yeah, because mm-hmm. it – didn't play in the playoffs in that year he got injured. Then he missed all of last year, and it's affected him this year at the start of the season. So that I, I just kind of wonder where Murray would be if he didn't have that injury. Would we be talking about Jamal Murray the same way we talked about Mitchell? No. You don't think so? No, because like, he's not as good at getting to the rim, and he's not and like he doesn't make up for it by being a good playmaker. Yeah. Just from where they were, though, a few, like, in that bubble, um, I, ju- I just kind of wonder. He definitely could be higher. He definitely could be higher, though. Yeah. I Wait, do you think Mitchell's playmaking significantly better? Um, I think it's better. I don't, know, I don't know if I would use the word significantly, but it's better. Um, I don't have their playmaking talent up, which I would like to look up. I'm kind of curious about that. Because to me, they seem like I think Mitchell's playmaking is better partly because of his, his gravity, right? His scoring gravity and just being a better scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if 
Like I, I don't feel like they're that different in terms of like their passing ability, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I just kind of wonder, uh, the placement to me is right on Murray given like what's happened over the last few years. It just, um, it feels like if we're doing this list in a year or maybe even just like after the playoffs, it feels like he could be a player who jumps up a time. Do you agree with that? Um, I think he can jump up. I don't know about a ton, but he could definitely jump up. Well, let's say... Um, like, So we have wanna... him at 45 right now. Or sorry, I have him at 45. Like, I don't really see how he could crack the top 30 realistically. Um, I could... Well, you don't think so? So here's the thing. No, I, I actually think he could. Cause, like, just looking at your rankings here, I... Um, I could see a case like uh, for Murray if he like if he has the type of playoffs he had in the bubble, and I I understand that was the bubble, so like everybody shot insane in that bubble. But let's say he's able to translate like those similar shooting numbers to the playoffs uh, this year. I think you will be able to make an argument that he's like a top thirty player. Yeah. All right. If he translate, if he translates. Like if he puts up the same numbers that he did in that 2020 playoffs this year, you don't think he could argue? I mean, sure. If he has like whatever up like eight 50 point games in this playoffs, <laughs> yeah, I'll put him in the top 30. Um, well, no, no, I, I'm not saying just the 50. I was just saying like his overall numbers in that playoffs, like so including like the Lakers series, the Clippers. Series. I think repeating that type of playoff success would be really helpful for his rankings. And I again, I could see him jumping up 10 spots. Next to you know Jalen Brunson, Desmond Bain, Cat, definitely. But inside that top thirty, it's tough. It's really tough to make it up there. Um, but you know anything's possible. You don't see. You don't think he could like uh, take over for like five, like you don't see him. Well, the problem replace- is like uh, you know if we in yeah. another year everybody's moving because the thing is it's just not it's not static with him going up. Laurie Marketing could go up. Anthony Edwards will probably go up. You know like there's it's not. You see what I'm saying? It's not just him moving. I, I was just talking about after the playoffs. Like, and I get that he's going to have a little more of an opportunity because of the team he's on. Um, but like, I think it's I I just think it's possible we could be talking about him as like on the level of like Halliburton or Fox after a playoff run if he kind of. Sh- repeats what he did in that bubble class, which is probably unlikely, but who knows? Yeah. I he's mean, if he, like I said, if he's putting up multiple 40, 50 point games, I mean, that'll be a conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, the last one in, so Gordon, uh, yeah, Gordon, the corn's been amazing this year. I think, uh, the, the Gordon all-star stuff was kind of funny because like, I, I kind of understood wanting to like reward him and, you know, have him as a, all-star but like then we're starting to talk about it's like well i mean you got to expand the rosters if you want to do that which i'm actually in favor of doing i'm fine with that too yeah and uh but i'm i'm not even sure if he would have made the all-star game uh if we went out to 15 but he's been like um so ben taylor thinking basketball they like do sub all-stars every year and he's pretty clearly at the top of that sub all-star group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And uh, Ingram, what, okay, so can I ask you, what do you think of Ingram since 
he came back with the Pelicans. Like, the Pelicans have been kind of a mess. Yeah, it's been hard because he's missed so much time this year, and he has a toe injury, and I know toe injuries can really linger. So I we I have not learned anything about Brandon Ingram this year. I I lo- I like his scoring. The mid range game is really good. I just call him DeRozan 2.0. He's a little better at shooting threes. He's a little better defender. He's a little better playmaker. He's obviously not peaked as a as a mid range guy like DeRozan has, but he's not that old yet. Um, but he's a little bit more of a complete player. I like him. I just there's I mean there's this crazy stuff. People were talking about him as like a top twenty five player, and it's like. I know people love isolation offense, but like, let's be real. Wait, there's people talking about Ingram as a top twenty-five. Yeah, player? like going into the season stuff. Yeah, like top thirty. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's kind of crazy. Well, you know why? I think it's it's, it's aesthetically really... pleasing to watch him play. Well, that well, that's one of the major uh, components of like him being overranked, but also. I think he was really good in the playoffs last year. Like I think he averaged like twenty. No, yeah, and it was it was tough shot making in the half court. No, he he played well versus the Suns, and I think that got people really excited. And I think that's that's fair, but I just think I know, this year is really tough because I think the toe really hurt him. I'm interested to see um, if they make the playoffs this year and next year because yeah, he's got plenty um, of talent. Oh yeah, for sure, um, and like. I think, yeah, I think this season, I guess I've just been kind of disappointed with the Pelicans since he came back. And, um, but you know what? I think I would put that more on CJ, who's just been uh, very disappointing, I think, the whole season. Um, I, uh, uh, so like, to like to see the Pelicans, like they were the three seed. Can you believe that the Pelicans were the three seed? Like, at I think at the start of the new year, right? And they're like, they may not make the play in. And Ingram's been, um, I think Ingram's been back for a little while. Where it's like, why are they still struggling so much? But yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say like I'm gonna lower his ranking just because of that. But um, I think you have him in a in a good spot because he's like um, like you said he can put up 30, 35 really tough points in a playoff game and like we've said with my entire list volatility especially scoring volatility uh, positively I really like a lot so he's ahead of the players he's ahead of he's at forty six on the list. How do you feel about his defense? Um, he doesn't do anything on defense. He doesn't guard you. I think he has like the lowest like primary defender involvement rate of like any perimeter player. Um, I watched some tape and he's just floating out there. To be honest, when he is involved, it's okay. His awareness seems low. There was definitely a lot of plays where people are like literally grabbing him and like pointing, like "Hey, go over there." But like when he was guarding people he mirrored people decently and like he used his length well got him some strong contests i actually kind of wish he played on ball more because i'm interested in it but you know it's saving energy for offense and there seems to be uh, a little bit of he, he seemed a little confused um off ball yeah see honestly i think that's uh i actually think not being confused and knowing where to be on defense is way more important than on ball you're probably right. So I actually, you're probably right. Yeah. So I think that's why, like, I'm looking at his LeBron this year, and he's 415th in D LeBron, and I think that's the reason. Like, if you watch him, you're like, oh, he seems fine. Yeah, but in years past, like, it, it hasn't been that low. 
I, I feel like he's been pretty bad on defense. I thought last year he had like right? a neutral D, LeBron. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look it up, but um, yeah, I guess I just like that uh, lack of awareness is is just kind of that can be a major issue. Honestly, a much bigger issue on defense than on ball defense like because you, you want to know where you're going right like uh and the other thing i've just been kind of thinking about is like honestly uh it feels like a lot of players like it's hard to stay in front of players in the nba right now with the rules right like you don't get hand checking it's so it's all about like being able to help recover have a defense that's like connected that communicates, that like flies out for closeouts, that like like everybody's in sync, right? So like I just don't think um, on ball defense is like that important, I guess I should say, because like uh, and that's different from saying point of attack defense isn't important, if if you get what I'm saying, because like point of attack, the way I look at point of attack defense, I'm like looking at somebody like pressuring the ball, which I think is important. Um, yeah, any any thoughts there? <laughs> I I know what you, I get what you're saying. I I'm not sure about Ingram cuz I mean, I think you're just going to keep him away from the ball, but he does have like good length, things like that. So, uh it didn't seem great on the tape, but he was able to recover in certain aspects cuz he's like 6-8 and long. So, I I think again, I have him slotted in as a third scorer that can do some things in isolation right now and has really tough shot making. I think he isn't the isn't the top two guy on your team. Maybe he becomes that, but right now he's not. And I, I, I'm a big believer. You can have a bad defender on the court. You can't have three, but you can have one. And if a lot of the times like that third scoring option is oftentimes slotted as that not very good defender. So I, I think you can you can build around it. And you have a bad defender who has no idea where he's going to be, though. Um, I'm not sure you I can. Think I, I'm, a, I'm just a believer you can have one bad defender. I think you can have two non-shooters on offense, and I think you can have like one to like possibly two not very good defenders on the court. Yeah, I I guess it depends the way you're looking at. Like, so to me, like you can have a bad defender who can't stay in front of somebody. Like somebody's slow, but at least knows where he's going. I think that's fine. But like, if you have a def- like, you have somebody who just like somebody has to point and tell him where to go, or like he's like blowing rotations and stuff. I think that can really mess up a defense, just because like a defense needs to be connected. Everybody needs to be like rotating. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, I I, one dude, guy- I get what you're saying, but also at the same time, like, there just are players that are good at offense and bad at defense on high end teams. Like Jordan Poole last year was scoring a lot of points in the finals, wasn't playing a ton because he's not good at defense, but like the scoring impact was like just more valuable. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, I think, I feel like it's a little easier to get away with that when you're a guard though, um, and Ingram's not. So I think that the defense is like more of an issue when if you're like not a guard. at the, So I think guard defense isn't as important. Uh as, yeah, but like yeah, Ingram's like three, so like with the difference, like the two and the three are getting blurred these days. I, I get what you're saying, but I just don't think everyone needs to be good. Like you're gonna, like I would give up some defense for offense here. So that's gonna wrap it up. We made it through 46 players. This is part three. 
Uh, I don't know. We got one, maybe two more parts. I don't know. Maybe we could do where we've been talking for an hour 40. So if we do another hour 40, I think we'll finish the list. Um, but if you're, if you're still with us making it through this, I appreciate it. If you read the article, I really appreciate it. I spent a lot of time, spent a couple weeks on it. I'm really proud of it. First thing I've ever written. So it's fun to, it was fun to write it. It's fun to talk about it. Fun to go through it with Krishna. So we'll see you on the next episode. My name is Taylor. That's Krishna. And we'll see you next time.